Hi, I'm Latresa. And I'm Clancy. And we are a mother-daughter duo that shares a love and admiration for all things Elvis. On this podcast, you can expect a deep dive into the life of Elvis Presley. We will discuss books written by Elvis's friends, family members, and others who knew him best. We will critique and enjoy Elvis movies, concerts, and music with those who grew up listening to his music, watching his movies, enjoying his concerts, and hopefully inspiring a new generation of Elvis fans along the way. With all the misconceptions surrounding Elvis, we want to remember his life and his legacy. The man, the friend, the entertainer, and the philanthropist. This podcast is dedicated to those of us who celebrate the life of one of the greatest entertainers of all times. Let's Talk Elvis! Hey guys, it's Clancy and Latresa, and welcome back to the Let's Talk Elvis podcast. We know it's been a while, but we're back, and we're super excited about the episode today, so let's jump right into it. Yes, today we're going to be talking about Elvis and the Beatles. Super excited about this one. We've had a lot of time to research, so hopefully you guys will learn some stuff you didn't know about before. That's right. Um... There are a lot of different stories about when Elvis met the Beatles. Um, One of the things that we learned was that there was to be no media there. Um, And so there's a lot of people have told their own stories about um, the night that Elvis met the Beatles. And so we're going to try to share with you what we found out. I think it's a from lot different of things, interesting from different, stuff. I think it is I too. I enjoyed researching this and it's, one. And it's different perspectives. That's one thing that I really yeah. like is that we're we're showing different people, mm-hmm. uh, different people that um, were there, were there, and basically their take on on what happened that night. So it was August 1965. Uh, the Beatles' second film, Help, had just came out. And they were in L.A. for concerts at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, Elvis, at the time, this was kind of prime time for his terrible movies. Mm-hmm. You know, he was not happy with his movie career and the way that it had uh, turned out. So he was a little weary of the Beatles, I guess, just because they were having the success that he had once had. And they were having the career that he had once had or hoped that he could have someday. And he was just kind of in this same routine of the same kind of movies, the same silly songs. But um, the Beatles considered him an idol. And at a a press conference for their show at the Hollywood Bowl, they were asked what they wanted to do most in the U.S. And they all four agreed they wanted to meet Elvis. So the colonel, uh, Elvis's manager, immediately arranged for a meeting with the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein. And um, Elvis invited him them to his house on Perugia Way, or however, probably butchered that name. Perugia. I think I, I think I looked it up, and it was Perugia, Perugia. So, so, yeah, hard to pronounce. There are other things leading up to that. I researched, um, I read um, Me and a Guy Named Elvis by Jerry Schilling, who was one of his Memphis Mafia members, and Joe Esposito, um, his 
another one of his Memphis Mop members, but he was also what what was his title? I can't. I'm blanking. He was right the now. general manager, I think, of Elvis. Um, but Joe Esposito's book, Good Rockin' Tonight. So I have uh, two Memphis Mafia members' accounts of that night. And Joe Esposito talked about, um, so the Beatles were the first time that someone other than Elvis had made such a powerful impact on the public. And um, I don't know if this is true or not, but after the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein died, Joe John Lennon visited the Colonel and asked if he would manage the Beatles, but the Colonel said no because he just wanted to manage Elvis. Mm -hmm. Don't know if that's true or not, but Joe Esposito wrote that in his book, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't um, know that. So the Colonel called Joe Esposito to his office one day on the Paramount lot where they were shooting interior scenes for Paradise Hawaiian style. And the Colonel introduced him to the Beatles road manager, Malcolm Evans. And um, he asked Joe to introduce Malcolm to Elvis, who Malcolm was not expecting to meet that day. And uh, Joe Esposito said his eyes lit up and that he was nervous, talking rapidly and asking one question after another before Joe could even answer one question. And Joe Esposito said that Malcolm ducked into the bathroom twice before meeting Elvis. And that Joe noticed after the second time that he had combed his hair and straightened his tie. And he, and this is a direct quote from the book. Joe Esposito said, he worked with the Beatles and hung out with rock and roll superstars, but he was reduced to a quivering mess of nerves at the prospect of meeting Elvis, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I, um, I read the, a book, the book by uh, Sonny west and it was elvis still taking care of business um and he says that that elvis and the mafia had actually watched a hard day's night the elvis movie mm -hmm. or the beatles movie at the memphian theater and they enjoyed it um and they were getting into a lot of the zany british humor talking like brits and things yeah. like that and um El that the Beatles always credited Elvis as the man who inspired them to pick up their instruments and begin their journey in rock and roll. And, uh, you know, there's a quote that um, at Graceland where mm -hmm. John Lennon said before Elvis, there was nothing. So I yeah. think that, uh, that the Beatles gave a lot of credit to Elvis. Yeah. Um, and um, whenever they were getting ready to do, I've got... Um, According to Sonny West, he says that the studio executives wanted the Beatles to perform in Elvis's movie, Paradise Hawaiian Style. Oh, really? Yeah, but a situation like that would have been a contractual nightmare. Mm -hmm. So nothing really became of it. But can you imagine Elvis and the Beatles in the so same movie? So cool. Wow. Um, so they were in, Elvis was invited by Alan Livingston the president of Capitol Records at that time, mm -hmm. to go to a reception for the Beatles in L.A. But Elvis refused and said if they wanted to meet him, that they'd have to come to him. Um, so, you know, Elvis, he, he kept his standing his ground. Yeah. Um, I think he was, according to uh, the colonel by Elena Nash, uh, he was, Elvis was really embarrassed at that time because he was locked into those mediocre films yeah. and not able to do anything musically. He was just locked into that scenario yeah. over and over and the silly little songs he was doing. 
and to see some other group of, of musicians to come in and be able to put the energy into a crowd that he once had. And I think he kind of felt threatened by it, yeah, you know. I um, agree. And not to skip ahead, but uh, in Jerry Schilling's book, he said that um, he saw the Beatles a few days after they met Elvis. And John Lennon said, I couldn't say this to Elvis last night, but you see these sideburns. I almost got kicked out of high school trying to be like Elvis. Tell Elvis that if it hadn't been for him, I would have been nothing. And Jerry said, said when the time was right, he passed along the message to Elvis and that Elvis smiled warmly and nodded. And Jerry could tell he didn't want to talk much about it, but he could see a glimmer of pride in his eyes. He would have much rather been competition rather than inspiration. But the esteem that they held him to meant a lot to him. Mm -hmm. But he did. He like he appreciated it, I think. But he wanted to be their competition. Oh, it yeah. was to, oh, yeah. it was to him kind of offensive, I guess. Well, kind of like because, you were a has been or like yeah, that forefather or yeah, whatever. It, I could I see mean, that. He, he was still young. He was still healthy. Like he yeah, wanted, still wanting to put out the yeah, music. Yeah. Wanted to do what they were actually doing. Yeah. And um, well, Elvis always said there's room for everybody at the top. I mean, he had always mm -hmm. said that. Um, and and really never I don't think that he ever felt with any other group or anybody else as he did the Beatles felt no. like the basically like kind of a threatened, you yeah. know, uh, to his success because like I at that time he was, I mean, all he was doing was the, which silly everybody movie. loved. The girls yeah. were going to the yeah, silly and movies. The songs, a lot of the songs yeah, did good. They did, but, but it wasn't the music that and he And he wasn't loved. being creatively challenged. Like he no. was starving creatively. He was, he was, he was just like a, a like a little hamster on a wheel. He was yeah. just spinning around and he wasn't getting to do anything. So like it would be really so hard to, to see these young guys come up and, and doing what he wanted to do. They exactly. were basically living his dream and he still had it in him and he knew he still had it in him to be great. Right. Well, according to the account, actually, we've talked about them, you know, uh, before we've talked to kind of set it up before they did meet. But according to, I guess, it's Storius magazine, um, he told they talk about the day there were no photographers, no reporters. Uh, it was supposedly a secretive meeting, but somehow mm -hmm. it was leaked to the fans, which we know that was Colonel Parker doing to have it leaked to the fans. Um, but the Beatles um, were being hauled around as the most popular band in the world at the time. They were getting ready to release their fifth album, Help, uh, which would end up selling over a million, it says units. I don't know exactly what that would be, but that's a lot. Yeah. Um, and Elvis was struggling. Uh, he was he was just 30 years old, so young. Um, and this was between 1964 and 1968. Um, this was in 65, actually. But mm -hmm. he had only had one top 10 hit wow. from 64 to 68. And that was Crying in the Chapel, which was a gospel yeah. song, which was amazing. And his gospel songs always did so well. They did. But you know that that left him you know, that was, that was a hard for him, I'm sure, yeah. uh, to, to know that. Yeah. Um, but he, so they came to him. And they set up all kinds of elaborate measures, like she just said, um, with the photography and the trying to keep it a secret, quote unquote. 
And the Beatles, which Joe Esposito in his book, it was August 27th, was the evening of the meeting. And Joe Esposito met the Colonel at Elvis's house in Bel Air. And two limousines took the Colonel and Joe Esposito to the house the Beatles were renting in Coldwater Canyon. And then they all came back to Elvis's house. But he said, and like she said, as they left to pick them up, fans were gathering on the street in front of Elvis's house. At around 7.30, they arrived at the Beatles' place, and security guards opened the gate, and there were, of course, girls at their gate as well, and Malcolm met them at the door with their manager, Brian Epstein, and they shook hands and were introduced to the Beatles. So um, he said they seemed very nervous to meet the colonel, who had a reputation of being unfriendly. And they were so restrained and polite that Joe Esposito thought these aren't the same guys that he's seen on TV. Mm -hmm. um, but said the colonel was very nice to them and offered them each a cigar and um, that they all got along really good. But he said um, when they arrived, over a thousand kids were waiting around Elvis's house. And that flash bulbs were popping every few seconds and the air was filled with screams and that they dashed into the house and were met at the door by Alan Fortas, Marty Lacker and Jerry Schilling, other Memphis Mafia members. And Elvis was waiting in the den with other friends and family, Priscilla, Joan, Sonny, Richard Davis, Billy and Joe Smith, Mike Keaton, Chief Ray Stinton, Pat Perry and Tom Diskin, Colonel Parker's assistant. And I, um, according to what I read in, in Sonny West's book, he, he says, in his book, he says that he read the Beatles anthology. And that was an account that was written by George Harrison about the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And um, according to him, he says that George said that they were so nervous that they got stoned on the way over. So that's probably why they were, you know, yeah. in, a, in a mellow mood. Uh -huh. um, Makes but sense. Elvis was a little apprehensive. Mm -hmm. um, but but he you know here he is Elvis is cool, um, yeah. And he says Sonny says that several accounts say that Elvis answered the door. I actually have an account that I'll go over later where it says that Elvis answered the door. I personally um, would not see Elvis opening with as no. many people around. I don't know that Elvis Presley ever opened the door. And by them, he really wasn't <laughs> that excited for them to come over. Right. Like he exactly. allowed it. But this was the colonel's doing. This was not Elvis saying, hey, I want to meet these guys. No. They wanted to meet Elvis. The colonel arranged it. Elvis allowed it. Not, exactly. Yeah. I don't see him. I don't think he answered the door for very many people ever. Right. I, I don't either. Um, I mean, I just, you know, that's, so that's, but, but. I did read an account, um, mm -hmm. and it was one of the Beatles that actually said it. So, but you know, in a time well, like, like they that, were stoned. Well, it's like <laughs> I'm gonna say, yeah, they were stoned. But in a time like that, too, it would you would magnify certain things. I mean, you know, I, I yeah. don't know, but I could see getting lost, especially if you were stoned, yeah. getting lost with, with who opened the door. Oh yeah. So <clears throat> the Beatles walked in. Um, Elvis rose to greet them, and he was wearing a short black jacket over a red silk shirt and black pants. You know he was looking good. Oh, yeah. Always. And said that John Lennon stretched out his hand and said, oh, you must be Elvis. And everyone laughed. And Elvis said, oh, you guys must be friends of Malcolm's. 
And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yes. But he said that uh, Jerry Schilling said that they the Beatles seemed truly delighted to meet Elvis and let him set the tone for the evening. And Elvis wanted everything to feel like he just wanted the whole evening to feel natural, like like it always was when he was hanging out with his friends. He didn't want it to try to be anything. You know, he was. It wasn't a press conference. No. It wasn't any kind of uh, business meeting. Jerry said that Elvis welcomed them into his house just like he did for anyone else as Elvis. He never changed the way he acted for anyone. And that it was a little awkward at first after introductions were made. But Elvis broke the ice by saying, if you're going to just sit here and stare at me, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Uh, I, that's what I had read, too, in, in all the accountings that, that I had found. Um, uh, he entered When they entered the den, Elvis said, it's nice to meet you boys. And he shook each one of their hands. And it says that uh, I've got John and Paul took seats on his right, mm -hmm. George and Ringo seats on his left. There was silence. They were either in all, and we know they were stoned. Um, and yeah, he says, if you guys are going to just sit there and stare at me, I might as well go to bed. I didn't. Uh, and he and now this is what, according to uh, Sonny, this was what was said. Uh, Elvis said, I didn't mean for this to to be like the subjects calling on the king. I thought we might sit and talk and maybe jam a little. Mm -hmm. And he said, one of the Beatles said, yes, you are the king. And Elvis, I mean, you know, he 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 said, "I didn't mean that kind of king. I meant the king of England." And that broke the ice, and they all started laughing. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I've got that Elvis drank Pepsi. The Beatles had Scotch and Coke and Bermuda and Seven Up. So um, Elvis wasn't much of a drinker. He he never everything from I read that he was never a big drinker. No. Um, Mine has that Paul and John sat on the couch next to Elvis and Priscilla, like you said, but that Ringo went over to the bar and started a conversation with some of the guys, and that George floated around the room trailing clouds of marijuana smoke and enjoying a party of one, and that the television was on, but the sound was off, and the jukebox was playing oldies by Chuck Berry, Fats Domino, Jackie Wilson, uh, but no Beatles or Elvis songs exactly, were played. Exactly. And, um... That that's let me see. Well, I've got that Paul Court Paul McCartney had never seen a TV remote. Elvis was sitting there with the TV remote and and apparently changing the channels, and uh, McCartney didn't know how the channels were being changed. He was <laughs> he was amazed. He had never seen a remote control before. So that's I thought funny. that was cool. And when you go to Graceland, you see certain little things like I mean, like a telephone in a in a big suitcase yeah uh, things that hadn't really he been so brought on top out. of electronics which i am the same way so i love that about him yeah but i thought that was really cool because there probably what hadn't been a lot of uh, probably a lot of people didn't have a remote or even know what it was yeah so i and, thought that was funny um, joe Posado said the jam session between elvis john and paul um was blues selections like chuck berry's rollover beethoven promised land and maybelline and Ray Charles, what I say, and it lasted about 45 minutes. And Jerry Schilling said at one point, Elvis pulled out his Fender bass and played along with records, which impressed Paul McCartney. He played Mohair Sam by Charlie Rich. And that Elvis got a kick out of John Lennon's banter. And they talked about their shared love of the films of Peter Sellers. And, um, that J Jerry Schilling ended up playing a game of pool with Ringo. 
um that they they were all it seemed like a good they all got along really well and had a good evening oh yeah and um john said to elvis when are you going to tour again and elvis said i have too many film commitments maybe after that and john or and paul said when are you going to come to england they love you there and elvis said someday soon so that had to bother him too. He was dying to do all of those things. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But stuck into those movie contracts that he hated. So I know that was. I'm sure he didn't love answering those questions. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Well, he didn't. He didn't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have the answer to those. So that would that would be very hard. Um, I've got that George and Ringo were rockabilly fans. George loved Elvis's guitar uh, player, Scotty Moore. He was really impressed with Scotty. And Elvis embodied the music of America, which is what they were after, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, John Lennon was attracted to the rebellious quality. And then Paul was just an admirer. So they all had their, this was from a uh, Rolling Stones article that I read, um, but they all had their own um, different things that they that they had in you know that drew them to elvis based on what their interests were um they and they all loved the way that elvis um had with women Mm -hmm. Uh, you know they had all these women screaming and all this stuff and everything which elvis did too but i think you know well i i've read a lot lately i've read a lot i've seen a lot of posts on the the internet lately where it's talking about straight guys that say they when they saw elvis they you know all they could think about was how beautiful he was and you know different things like that just the qualities that elvis had that that attracted women to him and then his humility and his kindness and you know all the women which one day we're going to do that we're going to we're going to have a probably a three or four parter on elvis women but all the women that were in elvis's life felt like they were the one and i think that he made them feel that way and i believe he really felt it at the time i don't think he was I mean, I'm sure he was a player and, and a had, bit of a player. oh yeah, I think he was a player, but yeah. I'm talking about his serious relationships. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, think I think he think had he a lot of women, but, but I do feel like when he was in a relationship that he made that woman feel like they were the only one, because there's just been too many, mm-hmm. you read the accounts and there are too many. And, and I really believe that they, that he, he truly cared deeply for them and they felt that and i think that was something just the drawing that he had with women the charisma and you know um well everything about him women just loved and and i think the beatles it was more of a group thing it's like oh my gosh the beatles you know not individually yeah as much as elvis um so but uh, Elvis was a continual point of comparison in the media. He was always compared um, to the Beatles because of, of, they'd never seen success until Elvis came along. That was the biggest success. And then here comes the Beatles. Yeah. So there was always a comparison. Yeah. And um, Joe said that the, the Beatles at the end of the night invited Elvis to their house, Elvis and his guys to their house the next night. And, Elvis said, we'll see how it goes, but that he never planned to go because Joe said that 
Uh, it most likely had something to do with his no encore policy mm -hmm. and that Elvis didn't do them. He always gave the audience the entire performance the first time out, holding back nothing for an encore. Mm -hmm. So the meeting with the Beatles was kind of a performance and mm -hmm. Elvis wouldn't do an encore. Well, it was it was basically set up just mm -hmm. like a performance. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it was set up by their managers. Mm -hmm. So I can understand. And um, I've never I had never read this before, so I don't know, you know. If it was true or not, but Joe Esposito said, having met them, Elvis decided that the Beatles were terrific. He even recorded Beatles ballads like Yesterday and Michelle, which is true. You know, if he didn't like, he did record, he recorded yeah, Hey Jude. He you know, you, so yeah. I, I would say that's probably right. He probably was like, well, they're, they're good guys and enjoyed the evening, you know. Right. And said it wasn't until the group entered their psychedelic phase that Elvis changed his mind. Yeah, and um, I, I've he, got that too. He I thought their too. music was horrible and the lyrics meaningless. And um, the music that I'm talking about was influenced by the hippie culture and psychedelics. And um, Elvis just had a different mindset than that. He did experiment with some drugs, but he was not. To, he he still he like Joseph Zito said he was mostly a good old boy. Like yeah, he didn't well good old country values. Well yeah, in the book. Um, in Sonny West's book, he said that he liked them personally, mm -hmm. but in the later years, he disapproved of their public image as they openly used and advocated drugs. Yeah. And, you know, his were prescription. He always felt like he was taking medicine. And, and really, at that point in his life, he did need, we do know there was addiction, but he did need the prescription drugs. Yeah. But they openly uh, used and advocated drugs. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he also bristled at the anti-Americanism that uh, attended their increasingly strident criticisms of the war in Vietnam. So they protested the war, and he was a veteran. Yeah. And you know, they were not even from the United States. Yeah, he was um, very, uh, very proud of him. He loved America. Well, he put his, his career on hold. Yeah. And at that time, I mean, he was so uncertain mm -hmm. of what he would be coming home to. Yeah. But he did that for his country. And then he was also, he was very, very appalled when John Lennon offhandedly said in 1966 that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. Uh, being a Christian man, that was very, very <laughs> offensive. Uh, mm -hmm. to him and um so so he you know elvis had um he in later years i think you know as the beatles and they did you know as they got famous that there was a different side yeah. um, that came out and elvis always i mean he was always true to his to his country always. he was always true to always. good old country boy and uh, yeah. respect and and things like that but paul mccartney said of his meeting with elvis that it was one of the greatest meetings of my life i think the success of our career started to push him out a little which we were sad about because we wanted to coexist with him. He was our greatest idol, but the styles were changing in favor of us. And I think at that time, that that is correct. Um, Elvis never understood. He could not understand the psychedelic era. No. Uh, the closest thing he did to that was the movie that he did. Edge um, of Reality. Age of Reality. Edge edge of reality and it really didn't it was just not i mean yeah. most of them got really corny but it was just one that was really hard to follow yeah. and it really didn't you know i i don't know i i don't know it may have done well in the in the 
theaters or whatever. I don't know if it did or not, but I could see, you know, that's that's the era that they were in, that psychedelic era. And and it, that wasn't Elvis. That was just no. not Elvis. Um, also, uh, George Harrison saw Elvis again in 1972 at Madison Square Garden. And of his second meeting with Elvis, he says, at the time I had my uniform, which he calls his uniform. It was worn out, a worn out denim jacket and jeans. He says, I looked like a rag man. I had a big beard, mustache, and long hair down to my waist. Wow. They took me back to in the intermission to meet Elvis again, and he was in the back of the dressing room, the big rooms with the showers and for that they had like for the football players and, and things. He says I was in the front part just talking to some of the guys. I was sitting there thinking, "Well, where's Elvis?" Finally, he came out of the back, and he was immaculate. I felt like this really grubby little slug. He looked like. Lord Sevia, I don't know who that is, or something. He seemed to be about eight foot tall, and his hair was black, and his tan was perfect. He had a, this big white suit, a gold belt about four feet wide, and he was towering above me. I just put a hand out and said, hello, Elvis, how are you? So this is kind of, you know, putting perspective, um, not saying... Uh, you don't want to say has been because the Beatles were, I mean, they're, they're eternal never too. Has been. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but just the place that um, Elvis was still Elvis. He had yeah. not, he was still on top of his game. And, uh, and I just, I really loved that. He I thought that back. was really good. Yeah. I made his big comeback. Yeah. I had my mom cause I had watched this before uh, Austin Butler was on jimmy fallon i believe or the late late jimmy. show yeah and he was telling he went to uh fashion week i believe with stella mccartney and got to ride on a train with her and her dad paul mccartney and i guess i don't remember exactly like when it was in relation to him filming the elvis movie right. but it's a really cool story so yeah, uh, they bonded. He bonded with Stella McCartney, who is Paul's daughter, um, at a cafe in London. They uh, ran into each other, and she invited him to go to her show um, in Paris for Fashion, for Fashion Week. And uh, she she had him to take the train with her and her dad. Which you know, here he is working on this film, and mm -hmm. here he is with Paul McCartney. And, uh, and he says, at one point, Stella said something about Elvis. And he took it as this his moment, because he, he was wanting to approach Paul and ask him about Elvis, but I guess he really felt intimidated and yeah, didn't know how to would. bring it up. <laughs> but so Austin says, Paul, I haven't met many people who actually had the opportunity to be in the same room with Elvis. What was it like? What's your story? And he says that, they knock on the door and Elvis answers. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's his, you know, construed. And I'm sure it's his memory. I'm yeah. sure that he, you yeah. know. Um, but he said he's beautiful. At first, they didn't know what to say. And they're just looking at him. And then he breaks the ice. And they begin um, to play um, songs. And so, you know, he, he says, he tells him that that was one of the best meetings of his life. And he told him us of a song 
and I believe it's that Mohair Sam by Charlie yeah. Rich. And he said, he asked if Austin had ever heard the song. And Austin said no. So Paul McCartney had his daughter Stella look up the song. And Austin said he got one earbud. And Paul McCartney got one earbud. And he was like, here I am on a train from London to Paris, sitting with Paul and Stella McCartney and listening to the song that Elvis was playing on the bass guitar when Paul McCartney and the Beatles met him. And they're sharing earphones. He said they're leaning close together, sharing earphones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... I mean, just... And, and he was just talking about what an incredible, like, most incredible moments yeah. of his life. And I can't even imagine. Oh, yeah. That would be a big career moment. It would be great. And if you want to know any more, I wrote it down, but I'm not going to get into it because this was mainly about Elvis meeting the Beatles. But in Jerry Schilling's book, um, Me and a Guy Named Elvis, he actually did take up the Beatles on their offer and went back to their house the next day and got to spend a lot of time with them. And it's a really cool story just thinking about, I mean, Jerry was just a normal guy. He just Mm -hmm. happened to be friends with Elvis. And here he is being welcomed into the Beatles' house. He rode to the Hollywood Bowl in the back of a limo with them. And, I mean, just yeah, all because he... His relationship with Elvis. All because of his relationship (laughs) with Elvis, he got this incredible... He had this incredible life. So... I've, I really enjoyed researching this, and I think it's always, I, I think it's fascinating for everyone because these two, two of the most iconic, iconic yeah, definitely. Um, musicians, the forerunners for, for music, you know, and, um, and there's not, there's no recordings, there's no photographs, there's one or two maybe of them getting out of the car to go in, but you can barely make it out, it was 1965, like the cameras yeah. weren't good, it was at night, after 10 o'clock at night, like, yeah, the only very... accounts that we have, and most of these people have passed away. Exactly, are the people that were there that wrote about it or have told about it. So, yeah, and that you know that's an interesting fact um, that as time goes on, there's fewer and fewer mm-hmm. people that were actually uh, there. on the scene. Yeah, and that makes it you know even more. And and like you say, everybody has their own account. Yeah. Um, each person that was there individually, no matter how many how many accounts that you read, none of them are going to be exact because mm-hmm. everybody interprets it in their own way. Yeah. Um, but I, I enjoyed this too. Um, I've always been my husband. Well, we we all love Elvis, of course, but my husband is a big Beatles fan too. And and I heard somewhere a long time ago where they said you can't be an Elvis fan and a Beatles fan. So I always tell him that. Which you know, I, I like some of the Beatles I like songs some too. Of their songs. You know, they were they were great. They did it. A, a, they're a, iconic. Yeah, they are. They're iconic, and they did contribute to to music. Um, so they're not Elvis, but you know. Um, they did co they did coexist with Elvis and uh, uh, you know I, I just really feel like they they um, are a part of our music history I'm a big history buff and, and in the music industry they they are, do have their place in the history so I do have a couple of um, reviews on our Apple which we Yay. love to see yes so this is from shannon f23 said i fell in love when i was little i stumbled across the podcast on tiktok i love it you are you two are so easy to listen to you feel like family i love listening i always learn something new and really appreciate 
how much work you put into making it authentic. Thank you so Yay, much, Shannon. Thank you. That's awesome. And I'm so glad you found us on TikTok. I yes. have been struggling with the social media. My job is actually social media, so it's really hard to um, keep up with our podcast social media along with my job social media when I'm on there all the time but i'm gonna try to do better i promise she needs to do better doesn't she guys and then um this is another one i don't see a name but it says i love your podcast and love listening to you both talk my mother is from georgia and i was born in south carolina i grew up in a military family and haven't got back to see my relatives in the south but listening to you guys is like being at home with family i watched the new elvis movie and i've now become totally obsessed with elvis I even called my mother and told her I now understand what she meant about how much she loved Elvis. <laughs> Thank you so much for your podcast. I'm enjoying learning new things, and this is sparking more interest to get even more books and movies and to learn everything I can. I would love to go to Graceland someday. Listening to his music at work keeps me feeling good and singing to myself all day long. Thank you for all you do, and keep up the hard work. Great. And, and Elvis music does. You know, yeah. it really does. It's, um, it, it, it lifts your mood. Or, you know, yeah. whatever mood you're in. If you're in a solemn mood, Sometimes you can find some balance. you just can't beat it. But we absolutely love reading these reviews. And I know it's, yes, we do. we're kind of all over the place with posting. But um, and I know I say this every time. It, it, this is a hobby. So yes, it, sometimes it does have to kind of get pushed to the back. But we don't want it to be that way. We want it to be released every week. And that's always our goal. So you know, if we're if we're ever not posting, we will be back. And we will have new episodes. We have ideas for new episodes. Yes, we do. We have lots of ideas. One thing I want to mention, I want to do a shout out for our winner of the trivia, yes. um, the trivia contest. We had a lot of fun with that. And actually, if um, you don't know what we're talking about on our Instagram, <clears throat> if you don't follow it, it's at Let's Talk Elvis Podcast on Instagram. And we also have a Facebook, but we had an Easter giveaway. And um, the winner was Martina from Germany, I believe. Yes, from Germany. And she was so sweet to um, even share when she got our stuff on her personal Instagram page. But she is awesome. She We had like a scavenger hunt and she shared our page on her story and answered all the questions yeah. correctly she's always been very supportive on our social media yes. so. And so a shout out to her we hope you're enjoying your goodie basket yes and um we'll talk to you guys soon thank you so much for listening if you'd like to give us a review it would mean the world and follow us on instagram and tiktok at let's talk ellis podcast and i will try to do better about being active on there and i'll try to make her do better bye guys Thanks, thank guys. you